Welcome to Because and Effect, a podcast from the Winnipeg Foundation, where we talk to people about the causes that they care about and the effect that it has on their lives. My name is Nolan Bicknell. Claire Mackay knows how and why people gather. The public spaces provided through the Forks in Winnipeg are world-class and bring in people from all over the globe. Claire's role as VP Strategic Initiatives, as well as the Executive Director of the Forks Foundation, has meant that she's been front and center of the Forks' incredible growth for nearly two decades. We have a really committed team, and it's really fun. I mean, it, it, it's, you know, you can see the result, the end result of your work when a piece of public art goes up, or when someone sends a, a wonderful comment um, about, like, frontline staff helping, or security doing a great job, or... It's a really fulfilling place to work. I sat down with Claire Mackay to talk about the Forks' evolution from ancient meeting place to its modern model of success, the issues facing our city and what we can do, and the value of partnership and cooperation. Because connecting people to each other is important. Claire Mackay, thank you for being on the Because and Effect podcast. It's happy to have you as a guest here. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. So we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of different things. We're going to be talking about the Forks and sort of Winnipeg in general and North Portage and everywhere kind of in between. But before we get started, for maybe those who are listening that aren't from Winnipeg, because everyone from the Winnipeg pretty much knows what the Forks is, yes. but just maybe give an overview of, of what your sort of day-to-day is, what the Forks encompasses, and, and what sort of all, what you're all about, basically. Yeah, so the the Forks North Portage Partnership um, has two mandate areas. We work in the Forks neighborhood, and we work in the North Portage neighborhood as well. So um, our two organizations were merged in 1995, and we are a financially self-sufficient organization that runs uh, the biggest tourist destination in the province. Uh, so we get about 4 million visitors a year. It's a 54-acre site uh, that's got 6,000 years of history. So we're very cognizant of where we've come from. When we inherited the space, it was an abandoned rail yard. Uh, and now, seriously, we get 4 million visitors a year. We're an all-season site. Uh, so we play as much in winter as we do in summer. And our mission is to be a meeting place for all and that's something that we vet every single thing that we do has to go through that lens um, and so we have a mixed use we have commercial we are in the process of bringing residential onto the site as well we're the site of the Canadian Museum for Human Rights the Children's Museum Manitoba Theatre for Young People the Forks Market one of the world's best skateboard parks the longest naturally frozen skating trail you name it, we have a little bit of everything. We it, have 300 events a year as well. It's pretty well beloved right now. Yes. Was it always like that when it first kind of launched? And I remember hearing, of, I wasn't in Winnipeg at the time, but I remember hearing that it wasn't really uh, beloved immediately. And it took some time for people to kind of understand what it could be and what it has become. So how's that evolution kind of shifted over the years? Yeah, I think uh, remaining true to our mission of being a meeting place for all has really helped guide us. Um, but development like this doesn't happen overnight. When you talk to people in other cities, uh, they're amazed at what we've done in 30 years. Uh, we sometimes think, oh my goodness, it's taken 30 years. Um, but really what turned people onto our site, because it was a, a, a rail yard, most Winnipeggers hadn't thought about it ever really as a place to meet. Um, we inherited some of those old buildings. So the stables, which are now the Forks Market, that was the first project on the site. But it wasn't until the port was completed, until we could bring people back to the rivers, um, that people really started to 
love the place. And it really showed us that people just want to gather. They want great public spaces. They want programming. They want really the meeting place for all. Um, And that's what we've continued to use as our lens. Our numbers, uh, even from the last five years, have gone up about 30%. You can feel it when you go yeah. down there because I've been in Winnipeg for about 10 years now. And when we'd first go down there, it was cool. It was still fine. Yeah. It just wasn't really something that now where someone comes in from out of town, guess where you're going first? Yeah. It's the Forks, right? And yeah. That's we were missing a, a, a big demographic. We were missing sort of the 18 to 35s. We knew people were coming uh, when they when they had visitors, they would come. We had an older demographic and we had, you know, young families, but we were missing, we are kind of missing the cool factor. Mm-hmm. And uh, with um, the licensing that uh, we worked with the Manitoba Liquor uh, and Gaming Authority on, um, we really changed that conversation and we spent a substantial amount of money in making it a really great place for people to be, whether you are having a drink or ordering food or you're coming with your bagged lunch. So again, back to the meeting place for all. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, you said 6,000 years, so it's been a place where indigenous and non-indigenous people have met for so long and it's, it's, you can kind of feel an energy when you go down and it's the forks of the, of the two rivers how important has that been in the man? Is every decision you make based on that's what it's going to continue to be? Is this meeting place for all? Yeah, it really is. And and often our decisions are based on if we have to do something, how can we make it beautiful? Mm-hmm. Um, so a prime example of that is we had we had to repaint uh, the levels of the parkade uh, on the Forks site. Mm-hmm. So as we were contemplating that, that comes with a cost and okay, so how can we do this differently? How can we make this beautiful? So we worked with Synonym um, and created some beautiful public murals. Did the same uh, anytime that we are, you know, temporarily closing a space. What can we put up there that's interesting and, um, and Manitoban? Um, so yeah, we, we look at, we, we run it through a bunch of different lenses. Our history is incredibly important to us. Without that history, um, there's no real heart to what, we are and what we do. So it, it's the um, the history of Indigenous people meeting there. It's trade, uh, it's immigrants, it's settlers, um, it's um, it's the rail era as well, the fur trade era, and it's also now. Um, it's it's not static. It's something that continues to shape. Uh, we we honor our, our heritage, but we also look to the future. It's very modern now. You can yeah. definitely feel like it's a modern city. You yeah, know? And, and it feels like oh, this is this is Winnipeg. I've had people say this doesn't feel like Winnipeg. So I don't right. know if that's an insult or if it's a compliment. But I, I mean, take it as it's a, a compliment. It's a compliment, compliment to the force for sure. Definitely. Well, I take it as a compliment to our entire city. Mm-hmm. I think we're um, coming into our own as a, a as a city and like places uh, in uh, other places in North America that sort of flew under the radar for a while and then became wow. Wow, that's a really cool place. I think we have all of the elements for that. Always have. Yeah. And we're just taking advantage of, I mean, the river, it's beautiful. You know, it seems like we don't do that enough for, for something that's so integrated literally through our city. Yeah. It's, it's, it's good that we're finally like embracing it and, and yeah. skating on it and, and, and uh, boating on it and everything. It's pretty right. cool. We're not the only ones who do that though. Yeah. Lots of other right. cities have, it's taken time to come back to our rivers. Yeah, for sure. So Talk more about the community aspect and how important it is to bring people together of all walks of life to kind of create this little community within within the Forks and within North Portage Partnership. Yeah, the idea of being open and accessible, um, I think, is really always very important to us. Um, and so programming, um, you know, a lot of the programming that happens on the site is third party. Um, but 
for the most part, is free to the public. Um, there are some occasions where it isn't, but Canada Day, open and free to everybody. New Year's Eve, we are the site for big celebrations. Uh, but we also offer oral history walking tours that will take you with an elder uh, through our site and hear their, their oral history as, as it relates to our site. We're constantly adding public art. Um, you know, there are, there are just definite things that we believe in placemaking, and we believe that that brings people together. We, we give them a reason to come, um, and really in an age when uh, we're becoming a little more disconnected from each other, mm-hmm. people still crave that. Uh, so we set the stage for that, and we also then invite others to come and play with us. So things like Raw Almond, uh, things like the Warming Huts competition, those weren't our ideas. We set the stage, and uh, people then bring their ideas to us, and we're open and willing to try. So how do you think Winnipeg ranks on a world scale when it comes to public amenities and public uh, um, opportunities for things like this? You know, I don't know where we rank. I, 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 I wouldn't consider that, you know, if someone were to rank us, it depends on what, you know, what, param- yeah, guess, what parameters yeah, are sure. you putting around it. What I do know is in, in uh, peers that I talk to across North America, and we do get a lot of phone calls. How do you do what you do mm-hmm. at the Forks? Generally, the first thing I say is we, we say yes. Um, because often people will find reasons to say no. And like I said, we set the stage. We provide uh, an amazing river trail, which, you know, costs, uh, costs money and time and effort. But then when we, we place that, people join in on our energy and come up with ideas that we could never dream of. Uh, and we're able to say yes. Has there ever been a way out there project or something that came across your desk and you're like, we can't do that? Or so is, many. Yeah, really? Can yeah, you give so some many. crazy examples? Um, well, initially, when when Raw Almond came and said we want to put a restaurant on the river for 21 nights on a frozen river, on a frozen river, and s- fine dining, you know, 10 minutes away from the closest parking in minus 30 weather, it, the thought was, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, on paper <laughs> sure. that does not yeah, work. Yeah, sure, okay, well, we'll carry on down this road um, and see where it goes, and and it. And it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are lots that come. And sometimes it takes a long time for them to come to fruition. So you'll hear from somebody, you know, three years in a row who's trying to put a project together. And as long as we're willing to still be part of the equation, um, you know, there's, 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 there's interesting things. Uh, so sometimes they land, sometimes they don't. I think there's a million great ideas. Um, how those come to fruition sometimes uh, is is not not within our wheelhouse. Well, it's a good pr- approach for life, you know. Say yes if there's yep. an opportunity, just go for it and see what happens. Yeah. Is there something on the horizon that you can talk about now that uh, is interesting or you're excited about in the next few years that you've said yes to that that seems like oh, a cool so thing coming things. down the pipe? Give, give so us some examples. Um, well, I think we're really becoming a site for public art. Um, mm. I think uh, the work with the Winnipeg Foundation, uh, to give you a good shout out, <laughs> yeah. um, has uh, established um, a, a pathway through Nisho Sibin. What's amazing about that is not only has it established, reestablished a pathway, installed a beautiful, amazing piece of public art in Nimama, um, which is created by three female Indigenous artists, uh, but it's also it also had us rename the space, which was really, really powerful uh, to take it from what was you know originally called South Point, right. um, and bringing elders in and giving it uh, a name. And uh, that name meaning something to the space and, and to the people who, who will walk through it. 
but that's just the first of many. Uh, we're working right now with uh, a donor and the potential for a piece of international public art cool. um, that hopefully will come to fruition soon. But again, you know, we just keep working through the steps and, and hopefully there's something there. But And then the Winnipeg Foundation will be working together again on some additional pieces of public art, not just putting them in Nisho Seeming, but bringing them throughout the entire site. So I hope at some point we become a place where international art uh, fits in well with local art. Almost like a living, breathing, physical, external, artistic gallery that you can just right. walk through a, a, a gallery. Right. Why is it important to to celebrate those uh, indigenous artists and non-indigenous artists and have these public spaces that um, that give credence and credential and, and importance to, to these public art? Spaces. Well, public art's important. Um, it creates conversations. It um, exposes people to different ideas. It um, it can, can give you pride of place. It's all part of that bigger placemaking and walkable cities and having the ability to um, to bring people to the site for a variety of different reasons. Everyone comes to the Forks in particular uh, for different reasons. Some may come for a really great walk. And so we have beautiful gardens. Uh, we have an orchard, a public orchard, where you can actually walk up and pick um, That's relatively apples new, and isn't pears. It? Yeah. It's actually been there for about three years, okay. but it's I, I really... I only saw a tweet like last week. And it's like, just what? starting to bear fruit. So okay, the trees gotcha. themselves have uh, finally matured enough where they're starting to bear fruit. But I have tomatoes ripening on my uh, desk window right now. That I that I picked from in front of uh, the Inn at the Forks because mm. and there's you know there's rhubarb there and I see little kids out picking it because it's next to the playground, um, so it's just it's it's creating um, it's it's creating space, mm. it's it's giving people a reason to enjoy their city to be outside in it, um, to to connect with each other. It kind of goes back to a little bit of almost like a primal roots, you know, a lot of people probably in the last few years at least are more and more disconnected from nature and from being able to be outside and enjoy enjoy things like that so is that part of the plan with the forks is making sure people can reconnect with with that aspect of themselves well it's also really it's giving them um we're we're an urban we're an urban park in lots of ways and so we're right in the heart of downtown uh we for some people are their backyard and that's amazing uh to to provide a space where people can play where they can um but then they can also you know go get a haircut and they can hopefully pick up a few items from tall grass on their way out and have amazing bread that's been created from uh, grains that are grown 100 miles from here uh it's we've always had a local philosophy um and i think we're really honing those 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 skills as well we work with manitoba music we uh utilize local artists uh we have local breweries on our on a, a good portion of our taps um we're showcasing the best of what this place is but we're not the creators of all of it we bring it all together yeah just sort of like a curator of yeah. all the greatest things that manitoba has to yeah. offer how do you hope people feel when they leave the forks for the first time oh um it depends it depends on what they've come to do I really so much, i yeah. i what i hope they feel is that they'd like to come back again is that they haven't seen everything or they didn't experience everything or that there's another reason 
to come back and that they can go home and say to their kids or to their neighbor, yeah, I went to the Forks. Yeah, it's I did this cool thing or I participated in a walk or a march or a protest. Mm. Um, and that we have space for all of those things. Is it hard to be, you know, you, you hear a lot of times when organizations try to be all things to all people. Is there ever a concern that you're, spreading too thin and not and you should be focused on one thing or another or is it you have a pretty good handle on trying to really be all things to all people that uh, that well i think you know we can yeah you can say yes and you can be you know uh, very uh open to new ideas but we are guided by we have good governance we have a really great board uh we have good shareholders um we also are guided by a 10-year concept and financial plan so while it may seem that we are trying to just do all the things, uh, we have a really great base for how and why we do them. So um, what's always interesting, we're just redoing our 10-year concept plan for 2020 to 2030, so we're coming to the end of one. Mm. Um, what's always interesting to me is what did we contemplate 10 years ago? What did we achieve? What was the plan? Can you, can well, you I mean, some of the, the one that stood out for me was um, 15 years ago in our concept plan, we had a skateboard park. I would have said, oh, pff, yeah, why? skateboard yeah, park. Yeah, yeah, why is there a skateboard park in there? Uh, we had a large cultural institution before the Canadian Museum for Human Rights was contemplated. Um, so there are things that, that we work towards. We may not know exactly the shape of them, but uh, there are things that, you know, complete our site. We've been working on Railside for seven years now. That's the sort of last pieces of the development at the Forks. It includes housing. Um, that was always part of the original mission. So we'll be working on that for at least the next 10 to 15 years uh, to bring people to live on the site. Uh, so we are guided by all of those all of those things. Yeah. So the plan is basically conceptual. And yes. then you kind of find projects and ideas and, and things to fit in within those concepts and within right. the plan. Yeah, cool. yeah. And we're financially self-sufficient. Mm -hmm. uh, so the revenues that we generate on the site, we look at it as almost like a positive feedback loop. We generate revenue. Uh, we get to do interesting things with that revenue. That attracts people. They spend money, sink it right back in and take it all the way around again. We also take care of all of the capital improvements on the site. So we're mm. an aging, we're an aging site. So uh, things like cobblestones and roofs and um, geothermal systems um, all require attention. Sprinklers, uh, you know, ground um, catch basins, mm. all of the non-sexy stuff that I hope nobody even thinks about when mm. they come to the Forks require our attention. So we are. We, we look after that as well. So um, we get to do really, really cool things, but we also have to take care of the base. Is the Forks and our, is the organization um, partnering with the city on a larger scale to sort of help grow that model almost to a city-wide idea? Like the, it seems like a lot of pockets of Winnipeg are starting to understand what the importance of everything that you guys are doing. Right. Are you able to kind of expand that? further and further outside of just your your area yeah we're doing that in a couple of ways as i mentioned the 10-year concept plan we've been looking at what's going on um in our north portage neighborhood mm. uh we partner really um consciously with the west end biz and the downtown biz uh we work almost daily in the central park uh area and specifically in central park uh, we work with the city on that it is a city park uh, we partner and provide dollars where we can to specific initiatives in that area, and that's something we're, we're going to continue to mm -hmm. do. 
Um, on the fork side, uh, we are looking at those connections. And so tentatively right now, the title of our 10-year concept plan is, is Connections. Mm. Um, there's a lot happening on South Main right now. There's, um, you know, the Fortune Block. There's uh, college um, CDI, Robertson, sorry, mm-hmm. Robertson College bringing a thousand students to that area. Uh, there's what's happening on Main Street with new developments. So we've talked to all of those people and we've talked to what's happening around Portage and Main. How do we, how do we connect to these other neighborhoods? We're working um, with uh, an entire community on what's tentatively right now working title called the Taché Loop. Uh, how do we take people on that two and a half kilometers that takes you through St. Boniface mm-hmm. and tells you really the story of the entire story of Manitoba can be told in that two and a half kilometers from first contact, indigenous peoples, settlers, the Grey Nuns, uh, the Métis, and now the, the, the current. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're really about creating those connections. We did work with the city uh, and created a document called Go to the Waterfront which is a vision document uh, talking about eight specific neighborhoods along the Red and the Assiniboine and how to connect. Um, we've worked with the city and the province on some small projects. We, we undertook the, um, the consultation for the Alexander Docks. Uh, we worked uh, with the province to make a connection, a stronger connection to Point Douglas. Uh, so it's something that's always on our radar. And as those projects, we don't own that land. That That's right. what makes it, um, you know, what's great about the Forks is the land is within our control. Uh, when you're talking about further out, that's not within our control. Right. But people do come to us. So as people come to us and we can work and partner together, we have the experience. Yeah. Uh, so the idea of connecting out and bringing people to us it's not mutually exclusive to us. We want others to be connected as well. That would be so cool to have, yeah, the r- just use the river more and kind of connect, use it as a connecting device. Whereas, yeah. yeah. I feel like a lot of times the old way of doing things was industries over here, residentials over here, fun is over here, downtown's over here, and the forks kind of flips that model and we want to have everything in the same area and you talked a little bit about the residential kind of spots how why is that important and how is that going to work and like just maybe expand a little bit on on the residential side of people are going to be able to live at the forks yeah they are how's that going to work they are uh well right now there are two gigantic surface parking lots across from the canadian museum for human rights um i think everybody can agree or most people can agree uh that surface parking lots are not the best use of land really anywhere but specifically in the downtown they are not um so that's 12 acres uh six per parcel Um, so we're looking at putting four to six story buildings using a variety of developers that are coming in through an RFP and RFQ process, um, where the first floor, uh, will be open and accessible. So, uh, if you think of shops and stuff, shops, you know, restaurants, coffee shops, maybe a gym, um, you know, a small grocery store. What are the services that residents need? Um, it, uh, it, enlivens our site mm-hmm. uh it enlivens the rest of downtown we're looking at um a mix of uh rental and condo um small units big units um accessible units maybe some student housing you know really open to what the market can bear and what we see is as the need so again open and accessible to everybody so there should be something for everyone whether you're just starting out whether you're a new immigrant uh, whether you're retiring, 
um, and you're a snowbird. But the idea is that uh, this will bring more people to the site to make it a more 24-hour place, um, which then makes things like a grocery store more viable. When there's people within walking distance who want to pick up a loaf of bread or some vegetables, that makes it so that it's more viable for someone to have a business like that. Because then you create a neighborhood. Right. As opposed to a destination. Right. And so the idea is that there will be public art and piazzas and that it will be very much a people place. But again, open to everybody. So mm-hmm. this is for all of Winnipeg. While there may be residents on floors two to six or three to six, right now, if you walk into the Johnson Terminal at the Forks, um, there are two floors of, of retail. You probably don't know what's above that. It's offices. but oh, um, I did not know that. Yeah. No. So because you can walk into the main floor, it you feel like this is accessible yeah. and uh, and is accessible. It's not blowing smoke by saying that Um, but so add that idea to residential where those main floors are open to everybody and provide something interesting and local Um, you know there may be office there as well so really uh, we're mindfully completing this over the next 20 years it's not a boom it shows up yeah it it doesn't show up hopefully we'll be breaking ground next year we have archaeological work to do Um, We have some remediation. Obviously, it was a rail yard at one point. So, you know, we're working through all of that, but we've been working through all of that for seven years. (laughs) We don't move quickly on on everything. Right, for sure. Well, things need to be done right. Take your time to do it, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm already overwhelmed by all the things here. How do you keep things sane for yourself and for your employees and everyone? Like, Um, this is a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Well, I think we attract. We're, we're, I think we're a small but mighty uh, team. We attract people who like juggling a variety of different things. Um, I've been there 15 years. So, um, you know, it takes a while to understand all of the complexities of what we do and how we do it. And we do things differently. Um, but, yeah, we have a really committed team and it's really fun. I mean, it, it, it's, you know, you can see the result, the end result of your work when a piece of public art goes up or when someone sends a, a wonderful comment um, about like frontline staff helping or security doing a great job or it, it's a really fulfilling place to work. Because once something's created and, and up, as it were, you can enjoy it. You can and go move up, on outside to your office and, and, <laughs> and hang out. What, what's your, what is something that you enjoy when you go down to the Forks? And what's your favorite thing to do? Uh, oh, I have lots of different favorite things. Uh, and it's changed over the years. I have now teenagers. But when they were little, my one of my favorite things was New Year's Eve. Um, lying on the stones around Odena is secret tip, the most amazing place to see fireworks, especially mm. with little kids. Um, to, you know, last year, Nimama brought me to tears. Um, and the work that the artists put in, um, and even getting to meet them and understand their, their backstories and how they came together and collaborated versus they could have done separate pieces and they chose to work together. And so, like, it, it really did. It brought me to tears. Um, I, and I just, I can appreciate all of the work that our entire team does and um, look at the talent that we are able to harness. And when those crazy ideas come and they actually work, uh, and, you know, sometimes it's the failures too. We've, we've, we've not always succeeded, but we work in an environment where, um, you know, we take some risks and, and sometimes, especially when it comes to maybe an event or, you know, it just didn't work. 
Uh, so, you know, dust yourself off, figure out what, what went wrong, learn from it, come back again in a different way or, or wait and come back again two years from now, or maybe someone else comes and does it. And then the next project gets to be that much stronger yeah. because of what you learned. Yeah. We're really yeah. flexible. Um, and we're really nimble as a team and that's, that doesn't work for everybody. Um, but again, always with a backbone of some really solid, you know, financials and uh, reporting and governance and foundational structure to sort of guide us. It may seem like things are popping up all over, the, but, yeah. it, but it's also a very slow and methodical Most approach. definitely. Yeah, and yeah. we do uh, risk analysis. We do business cases. Um, we do business planning every year. We have nine business units and wow. each of them has... Um, you know, a, a budget and, you know, we are, we are all fluent in actuals and budgets and um, that's how we work. We work within, within a framework, uh, but within that framework, we have the ability to be creative. So you said 15 years with the Forks? Yeah. How has your um, opinion maybe of Winnipeg evolved since you started to now? Um, I would say, as, as I think I said earlier, that we're on the cusp of sort of everybody else figuring out why we're so amazing. Um, things like Lonely Planet, uh, recognizing us as one of the places to visit. Um, <clears throat> you know, it seems sometimes we need other outside validation to tell us why we're amazing. As Winnipeggers, you mean? Yeah, yeah as sure. Winnipeggers, and maybe even as Canadians. You know, I think we're all quite humble in terms of our, our place. Um, but I really think we're all pulling together. And that's the most amazing thing I think about Winnipeg is that, that you know, while we may all have slightly different mandates, um, you know, Travel Manitoba, Tourism Winnipeg, um, all of the different organizations like Frontiers North and O-Tours, and we all know each other. And, you know, this, this especially the tourism industry, but even working with officials, uh, government officials, um, there's a collaboration here that I'm, I think other cities would be envious of. Uh, yeah, we don't always uh, all agree. And sometimes w there's processes um, that maybe, you know, one doesn't appreciate, but we really all try and we can, we can all agree that we are trying to make our city better. Everyone's rowing in the same direction. Exactly. Right? Yeah, for yeah, sure. exactly. One of the coolest things I've been a hockey player for 30 years. So one of the coolest things is the, is the skating and the yeah. way, and just how the forks has transformed winter into something to dread to something to celebrate and enjoy. Yeah. Has that been a conscious decision to make? Oh to, yeah. To add a bunch of stuff. Cause tell, tell us about what you can do in the winter at the forks. Uh, well you can do everything. <laughs> what, um, what can't you do? Yeah. You can do absolutely everything other than sunbathing, um, which would be slightly dangerous. Um, you can do just about everything and it really, you know, people have been skating on the river. I think people think, you know, it was the Forks or, or, um, Festival de Voyager or, you know, anyone else who created this, you know, 30 years ago, we have historical images of people skating on that river from the turn of the century from 19 something or other, uh, women in long skirts and a really sketchy looking gigantic slide going down. We think somewhere along the Assiniboine. Wow. Um, <clears throat> would not pass any codes. <laughs> not these days. Um, but so people have been doing it for a really long time and we had been doing it for quite a long time as well. And, you know, some people enjoyed it and we, you know, did a few kilometers and we did all the traditional stuff. Like we had, not that there's anything wrong with horse-drawn wagon rides and, um, you know, s and some basic skating. 
Uh, but there was there was a bit of a tide turn when we realized that we had the longest naturally frozen skating trail in the world, which nobody had ever actually applied for before. Um, and uh, if I can say one legacy, I applied for a Guinness World Record for something that didn't really exist. Very cool. And we got it. Yeah. That sparked a rivalry with a rivalry. I'll put that in air <laughs> friendly quotes. Rivalry. A friendly, very friendly rivalry and media attention with Ottawa okay. and the Rideau. And we played with that. Yeah. We really, we just dug right into that and, and, you know, joked with them about how great it was for both of us. Um, and then we just started to look at things differently. Uh, you know, there's a walking path alongside the river trail there. People are starting to fat tire bike it mm -hmm. in the winter. There are so many bikes on the, on the, on the walking sort of component of it. Uh, there's new Canadians out, um, learning to skate for the very first time. Um, there are people commuting mm -hmm. on, on the trail. To like work, it really, yeah, yeah. It, it really, I don't know. There was just a, uh, uh, just a bit of a tide turn in terms of people's appreciation that this was something again maybe because someone else externally recognized it hey this is actually kind of cool it's a bit of a badge of honor mm -hmm. um and it really our, our numbers just keep going up february january february uh because we have door counters uh within the forks market so that doesn't capture everybody but it's the same system we've used since the beginning our uh, door counts in january and february are the same as june and july Really? Yeah. That's pretty shocking. I'm yeah, sure. that's a lot of mini donuts. Well, I guess it's not really shocking when you're there and it's packed. Like, and yeah. there's people putting on skates for hours. Yeah. Just lining up to put on skates, right? It's yeah, cool. it really has become a place where we can embrace winter. And um, the rest of Canada is noticing. The rest yeah. of North America is noticing. When we uh, send out for uh, the opening for warming huts, it's an open competition. It's a worldwide competition. When we send out, we get usually over 200 applicants wow. uh, from around the world. Uh, it's a blind jury, so when we choose, we have no idea where they're from, and then we bring them in. That's so cool. Um, and so we talk to them when they come. Like, they're from all over. They're from Israel. They're from Mexico City. They're from Sweden. They're, they're, they're literally from everywhere. Uh, what made them apply often is because they see winter as exotic. Mm. And when Anish Kapoor, who created the 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 Bean Cloudgate in um, in Chicago agreed to create a warming hut. Like this is like an international rock star mm -hmm. kind of guy. Um, it was because he was fascinated with ice. It is pretty crazy. Like we've been, I've been, we've been on ice our whole lives. But it's when you think about it, people who haven't seen snow or haven't seen right. ice or haven't, you know been in a freezing temperature yep. never mind a minus 30 or minus 40 it's pretty pretty incredible that we're able to harness that and make it a thing to celebrate instead of a thing that a lot of people dread and want right. to get away from yeah it's pretty cool what do you think winnipeg needs to focus on when it comes to public space and public amenities and and just making our city more walkable more livable more enjoyable I think, um, and I think we're doing this. Uh, I don't think it's what we need to focus on. I, and I'll specifically just talk about downtown sure. because that's sort of where, where our neighborhood is, our neighborhoods, um, is connections, is creating those connections. What makes great walkable cities is that you can see in front of you the next thing, whatever the next mm. thing is. So if you're in, if you've been lucky enough to go to some bigger cities, if you're, I mean, if you're in New York, I mean, it's obvious, like every two seconds, there's something. But if you're in a city like Portland and you're walking through their downtown, similar size to us, um, you can see the next attraction. And by attraction, I don't mean necessarily like it's not a Ferris wheel, 
that you see in front of you, but you can see something interesting within, I don't remember what it is, like three or four minutes Hmm. and you walk, you keep moving. Um, so we're working uh, specifically with the downtown West End and Exchange District is how do we connect ourselves? How do we, how do we when, you know, the, when there are dollars for things, um, how do we collaboratively work together to create these connections? Because that's what encourages people to, to move about in that way. What are the barriers to, to connection that you come up against? Um, I, you know, I don't know if they're barriers. I think, you know, realistically, we want to do everything immediately. And we can't. Patience, yeah, maybe. Pa- yeah. Patience yeah. is probably the biggest, uh, the biggest barrier. Um, we have a large downtown. And so creating those connections um, can take some time because we don't have the dollars ourselves as these organizations to, to do that. But hopefully as we demonstrate when we create ourselves and we're successful, um, as things are happening and we are having those conversations, just even connecting with all of the businesses that are, that are either expanding or changing on South Main, now we all know about each other. Now we know that the, you know, the Fortune Block is there, that they will have uh, main floor retail. There, there are those connections again. And just sharing best practices and like, yeah. what do you need? Okay, okay, we can help you out with this if you help us out with that. Yeah, yeah and our role is not, um, you know, even as we're creating housing, our role is to see a vibrant downtown. It's not to take everything and put it at the forks. Okay. It's, it is literally to connect out to everything. We don't want to soak everything up. We don't want to soak up all the retail. We want a vibrant exchange district and a vibrant downtown uh, and West End, you know, and Osborne. And like, we want vibrant neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do it collaboratively. Yeah, for sure. So what inspires you when you're walking around Winnipeg or driving around? What, what do you see and think, oh, that's the way we ought to be doing things right now? You know, I'm, 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 uh, I, I love walking through our downtown and I'm lucky enough that our office is at Via Station. So I'm really well connected to pretty much every part of our downtown. I love the unexpected and finding those, those like small bits of, um, of beauty, the, the loop itself, walking on the St. Boniface side and through the, the widened tache and seeing people bike through that. Um, you know, even, even ourselves, we've seen such an increase in, in, um, bike traffic and pedestrian traffic onto our site because people are using the river walk. It's just a culmination of all of the things that we are all working on, mm-hmm. um, that I find really inspiring and seeing new construction and, um, new ideas and yeah, it's, it's a, it's a really great time to be in our city. It's got to be validating for you personally too, to have the plan of what you wanted to see now starting to seep into Winnipeg's general plan as well. You know, like we're starting to understand the importance of not driving everywhere and right. maybe end of city sprawl, not being so crazy and try to be a little bit more tightly knit. So it's got to be pretty cool to, to see things trending in that direction. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I often think of, uh, tall grass who are amazing people um, how far ahead of the curve they were when they started doing all of the local and, you know, they bring their grain right in. It literally a truck backs up and there's a, there's a connection straight into their bakery through the Forks market. They were talking about all of the things, you know, 30 years ago. Um, and so a lot of that is coming to fruition and I kind of feel the same with us, uh, not, not only the Forks and, and North Portage, but they were kind of coming into our own, um, and really finding a place to shine. Not that there's not still issues. There are lots of issues. There are lots of issues in any city. Um, and I hope we continue to address those. 
Um, but there's lots of really good mm-hmm. things happening here as well. And I'm proud to be from here. We're going in the right direction. Yeah. Definitely. Well, at the t- end of our time together, we ask all of our guests to do a segment called Just Because, where we ask you seven questions, seven same okay. questions to everyone. Okay. Don't think about it too much and just kind of answer off Try the top not of your head. To. You okay, okay to that? Yep. Okay, I'm cool. Let's do it. Question number one. What is the very first cause that you ever remember caring about? The very first cause I remember caring about was actually the Terry Fox run. Mm. Um, and that was the first time I think I ever ran. The first time I ever went door to door and asked for donations for something. And that sh- you know, shows I was a child of the 80s. Um, but he really united people in, in one cause. And uh, as a kid, that was really powerful. And just talk about the community aspect and, yeah. and coming together for one purpose, yeah. right? Yeah. It's a pretty powerful thing. Yeah. For sure. Uh, If money, politics, and logistics were no issue at all, what's the first thing you would do in support of your current cause or in support, you know, in in support of any cause? What would you do if you could just snap your fingers? If I could just snap my fingers, I'd make sure that every kid went to school with a full belly and that every girl had access to education. It's huge. For sure. Great answer. Um, Question number three, what's the biggest misunderstanding or stigma about the cause that you care most about? Oh, I care about so many causes, though. Um, oh, I, you know, I don't know how I could even... Maybe about, let's just say, the cause of community togetherness. What do you think is, are people most um, misinformed about when it comes to that? Yeah. What I find sometimes, you know, when you talk to people about causes is... Um, that it has to be one or another. And I think everybody has specific causes that they are passionate about. And I don't think it has to be my cause versus your cause. Um, you know, I think we can all, we can all, as long as we are all caring about something other than ourselves and trying to leave our space, uh, uh, our, our world in a better place, how we do that and who we choose to do it with, I think is a very personal preference. And I think we should all be commended, not commended, that sounds kind of, yeah, not commended, but that we should all, we should all care about something. Yeah. I love the concept of leave every room that you enter better off than when, or room or place or conversation better off or person better off than when you first. Yeah. And that doesn't need there. to always be money. Like I, I think if we, you know, if we can leave any legacy, um, you know, what I always think, uh, I would love to hear about my children is that they're kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't care if they're popular. I, uh, or, you know, the best dressed or, or the smartest. I care that they're kind. That's beautiful. Question four. Uh, was there a time in your life where you had to pivot because the plan wasn't working? And what? W- tell us that story. Every second day. <laughs> <laughs> um, I work in a place where pivot is part of the job description. Um, yeah, I've had lots of those. I mean, personally... Um, uh, when I first t- took the job at the Forks, uh, I started off at four days a week with two little kids and uh, in a role that I thought, you know, this, this will be great for three or four years. I wasn't sure I wanted to take the job um, because I thought, oh, well, maybe, you know, I'm not really sure I understand all about the Forks. And then my husband lost his job. And so, oh, yeah, okay, we, we need, <laughs> we need to, we need to, we need to work on this. Okay. And uh, so I took the job. But you know, there are things that um, work out as they're supposed to, I think. And patience is the thing that I'm learning uh, to have. Uh, because just because it one door closes, generally another one opens or that one reopens is, is really what I've learned over the, over the course of a career that's seen me do some really cool and interesting things. Very cool. Question five. What's the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? 
Oh, the best piece of advice I think I've ever been given is to just be yourself um, and to appreciate that you're not the same as everybody else. Um, and it was one of the things that I've said to my own kids is, um, you know, if you're weird, that's actually pretty cool. So accepting and just being yourself um, and understanding that everybody has things that they bring to the table and what you bring to the table is different than the next person, but it's just as valid. Yeah, I think that's a concept that that slowly erodes over time. Weird is weird when you're growing up. Right. And then weird is like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. When you're a little bit older and understand that idi- idiosyncrasies like that are actually what makes people cool. Yeah. yeah. I also I think one of the best things that I've ever learned is that there really are no stupid questions. Mm. Um, I'm often in meetings where I don't understand the lingo or the jargon if it's construction meetings. And generally, if you ask a question, four other people in the room thought it too. They just didn't want to look stupid. Yeah. Yeah, that's a probably very important. I'm not an educator, but I would assume an important part of education is making people feel comfortable asking questions about things that they don't understand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I spend my life being curious, and I think that if if that's one thing that I can keep doing, somewhat bewildered sometimes, but mainly curious. Well, there's so many things that you, so many like pies that you need to be aware of, and so many like ideas and concepts you have to be. But curiosity has led me to some amazing places. For sure. Uh, Question six, what advice would you give to your 10-year-old self if you could talk to her right now? I think I would say uh, roll with it Mm. because what your plan, and I've said this to my kids and to other people as well, plan A so rarely works out. I think I'm on plan F at this point. Um, It's hard. It's hard when you have a vision for yourself, for your organization, and it doesn't pan out. Um, But I think when plan A doesn't work out, uh, and sometimes it does, which is amazing, uh, but that you can pivot and that you will, you know, stand up the next day and keep trying. Um, but that's hard when yeah. you're, uh, if you're a driven person, if you're a type A, which I am, uh, when it doesn't work out, you, you sometimes take some time to get back up, but especially cause it's hammered into us very young. What do you want to be when you grow up? What, right. Who are you going to be? What right. path are you going to walk? Yeah. That is your option. So it's good to understand that. Just be open to whatever branching path. Yeah. Kind of if appear. plan A had worked out, I'd be a lawyer living in downtown Toronto, never married, no kids. Might not as be so happy. Might not it be didn't as happy. Out. Yeah. No yeah so happy it didn't work out. Well, last question. Thank you for your time, by the Thank way. This you. has been wonderful. What do you want to be remembered for? Oh, um, you know, uh, you know, if people were to say, you know, what do you put, put on your gravestone? Um, I probably won't have one. I'll be composted, <laughs> uh, cause that's now legal. Um, I would want to be remembered as someone who was a connector, uh, who was kind, uh, who was open, who helped others, um, was a good mom. Uh, Yeah. Good answer. Uh, connector. I love that. Cause that can be for personal yeah. relationships. It can be for professional. It can be for, you know, anything. And yeah. a connector is a great way to yeah. put it. Awesome. Claire Mackay, thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing plans with the forks. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to say before we let you go? Uh, you can find all of the information you ever wanted to know about us at www.theforks.com. We'll see you at the forks. Thanks. Thanks. 
Thank you again to Claire Mackay for the great conversation today. Uh, if you haven't been to the Forks in the past few years, you have to go. Um, you're missing out. It's an incredibly cool spot, and there's literally something for everyone of all ages. So go check out the Forks. You will not regret it. All music on the Because and Effect podcast is composed and produced by Trenton Burton. You can find out more of his music at trentonburton.com. Thank you again to Sonny Promolo, Jeremy Morantz, and Robert Zirk for all of your help uh, with the podcast and the production assistant. Could not do this without you, so thank you very much, gentlemen. Because An Effect is a podcast from the Winnipeg Foundation, and to stay up to date with everything the Winnipeg Foundation is up to, you can follow us on our social media accounts. You can search at WPGFDN on Twitter and Instagram, or we're on Facebook as well, or you can visit our website at WPGFDN.org. I'm Nolan Bicknell. You can follow me at Nolan Bicknell on social as well. And remember, alone we can do so little, together we can do so much. Bye-bye.